Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Classroom to Copy. I am still in Nashville hunting down more teachers turned copywriters and getting their stories. And I have with me uh, here today Melanie Warren. Um, th- before I get her to introduce herself and like the exciting journey she's on right now, I just wanted to, you know, thank her again because she's. So I'm part of uh, the accelerator group on Copy Chief, which is where like you know we get some extra coaching and mentoring in our copywriting businesses. And Melanie has been there like every step of the way. Uh, of my journey, uh, cheering me on, giving me advice, telling it like it is. And she's just overall an awesome human being, a great person to learn from. I'm very excited for today's episode. So I'm going to let uh, Melanie introduce herself right now. <laughs> so what, what do you do right now? What do you used to teach? Um, tell us everything. Everything. Okay. <laughs> so I'm Melanie, and I am the copy chief for Tony Robbins. And before this, I was a ninth grade algebra teacher. Wow. And my specialty was the kids with IEPs and learning concerns. Mm-hmm. So I remember on the first day of school, I, this was back when paper was, everything had to be printed. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you come into the teacher's lounge, desks everywhere. Everybody had a few IEPs, maybe four, five, six. I had a caseload of 120 students. 110 of them had IEPs. I had stack after stack after stack. Wow. Yeah. So the outcome... Were they all in the same... Sorry. Were they all in the same classroom or you just had... That was my whole day. Oh, okay. Wow. So I had, say, 30-ish. It was block scheduling, so four classes a day, 30-ish kids per class, so a caseload of 120 Almost all of them had IEPs. And I think it was because I was the new kid, and so oh. you get all the challenging classes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember that. But I, I worked so hard on it, I would tell jokes. I had examples. I went so far as to make a felt board, because, you know, the concept of solve for X yeah. doesn't really make sense. Yeah. So I did things like pretend it was a treasure hunt. Look, X marks the spot. Or... I would take pieces of felt, and I was trying to figure out how to teach that plus and minus are opposites of one another, and that multiply and divide, because it doesn't really make sense. Yeah. So, But I did, on the front, you had the little X for multiplying on the back, you had the divide symbol, you could flip them over. So kids who didn't even really speak could mm-hmm. keep up with the class. But yeah, I, I tried everything. Mm-hmm. And I also happened to be pregnant. So I go out on maternity leave. And I come back, you know, there's a rule in schools that don't really touch the kids. Down on my knees, I'm taking care of the baby, and I feel someone hug me from behind, and I real still, real, real still. And I turn my head very slowly, and it's one of my students hugging me, and he's so excited. And he said, this was my third time through the class. If I didn't pass it this time, I wasn't going to be able to graduate. I passed the class with a C. Thank you so much. (laughs) Yeah, that was my experience teaching. How many years were you a teacher? I taught algebra just that one year, but I taught Sunday school all the way from nursery up through high school for, I want to say, 20 years. Wow. Do you still do it? No. Mm -hmm. My children now actually teach in those classes. (laughs) 
And I'm their hype team. So at my church, I'm the lady at the front desk because I'm good at saying hello to strangers. And it's the best job. It's a really great job. And so whenever moms come in with that certain stressed out look, Uh I say, maybe take them to the children's program. My daughters are there. And this one time, this mom goes downstairs, and then she comes back looking really confused. She says, I didn't see your daughters down there. They're the grown women teaching the class. She's like, oh, I thought you meant they were little kids. (laughs) No, children grow up. It's weird, but they do. And um, let me backtrack this a bit. So how were you, were you, um, do you go straight from teaching to copywriting? Like, how do you find your way into our crazy little world? My degrees are in paralegal studies and business management because my whole life has been about children. So, okay, when I am able to get out of the house, five kids, like, can't, there's no way you can afford childcare. But when yeah. they're a little bigger and I can get out of the house, what am I going to do? I'm like, okay, business management, that makes sense. Law school probably wasn't going to be in the cards for me. But marketing kind of had my attention. And then I thought, well, it can't just be all of marketing all the time. Like, okay, copywriting. I moved a lot when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I always had pen pals. I'm like, oh, okay, I can write a letter. I'm good at writing letters. And then I found AWAI, and they have that promotion that's, can you write a letter like this one? Like, I can. <laughs> it was like, this big, it's such a little thing that when you're trying to find your place in the world, little things become big things. And so that's specifically how I got into copywriting. So between, um, like, I'm just trying to give uh, the audience, like, a picture of, like, your timeline, like, when... When you're a teacher, and then, um, like between that and uh, discovering copywriting, like, was it like immediate, or did it take you some time to? It took me a bit. So teaching was has been my focus all these years. Just always been a teacher and a coach, mm-hmm. but just in various capacities. The teaching algebra happened in 2002. And 2014 was when I took my first paying copywriting gig. And then from there, it has been freelancing and then in-house and then from that to teaching. So the timeline gets a little compressed right yeah. at the end. Um, so this environment, I just, I'm constantly apologizing. I recorded yesterday too and Telling the audience I'm very distracted easily. It's not because of you. Um, it's the environment and the noise. Um, so sorry about that. What was my question? Um, oh, right. Okay. So something that a lot of uh, teachers, when they're leaving their job behind and considering doing something else, is... Uh, imposter syndrome and not knowing if there's anything else they can do besides teaching. Did you experience any of that or was it different for you? I certainly have imposter syndrome about many, many things. Mm -hmm. I don't know that anybody ever gets out of that entirely. But teaching requires so many different skills 
And when there are things you don't know, you have to get good fast because your students are relying on you to have yep. it together, even if you're just faking it till you make it. Mm -hmm. So where there's just, I, I, would, I would fight against that. I would say it's a limiting belief because I know yep. what it takes to be a teacher. You, yes. you scrap, you're resourceful, you just always find a way. Mm -hmm. This is very much the same. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So now you have more people telling you that because <laughs> I say that all the time. And, you know, everyone else who's uh, been on the show has said that, like, teaching is not a singular skill. It's so there's so many aspects to it that are so applicable to everything else. And if that, you know, your decision is to move into copywriting, there's definitely a lot of those skills that can transfer over. I mean, even just hearing you talk about the lengths you will go to communicate algebra to your students right that and then it takes that level of empathy uh to be a copywriter as well like um i feel very passionately about right this. the same way yeah. um so uh you took that did you end up taking that awai course i sure did and did the whole program right up into the final exam which is write a letter about a restaurant mm-hmm I remember writing it, don't think I turned it in. And that's not really like me. But yeah, I was in a whole new world and what if they didn't like it? But I recommended the wrong restaurant. It's funny looking back on it now because when you're on a steep learning curve like that, everything feels like the biggest deal ever. Yeah. It's mostly not. It's just that you're becoming a person who's always living on their edges. Mm hmm. And I just had to embrace that as part of my personality. I just will always be on the edges of what I know. That won't change. It's okay to be that person. Yeah. And then I have to take breaks from that, come back into my comfort zone a little bit, take a nap, and then try it again. Yeah. Could you walk us through, like, um, from that moment you did that AWAI course to, uh, like, where you're at today? Like, is that yeah. a lot... I would say covered. so. I took that course, and then I somehow ended up on Kevin Rogers' list. What I don't know is that back then there were only 300 people on his list. Uh huh. But he sends out what we now know as a nine-word email, and he says, "Hey, I'm going to be taking on five copywriters as part of my team. If you're interested, let me know." I'm interested. I want to know about this. <laughs> so I reply. He replies back, I now realize it was an autoresponder, never mind, I think it's real. And so he says, you need to take simple writing system with John Carlson, you need to pass an interview with me. Like, okay, well, in addition to being a teacher, I'm a really good student, and I understand a rubric. Like, there are things I can do, and there are boxes I can check, I'm exactly. doing it. So I take the class, and I do my very best, and then I get to the interview, and Kevin goes, well, have you heard about this thing called Copy Chief? You're the chief? I just had a dream about Copy Chief last night. I <laughs> guess I, I'm on your team. And he's like, what? And it was this weird moment. But Copy Chief wasn't live yet. He just recently bought the URL and was putting it together. So that's how I became Kevin's first mastermind student. Wait, so if you just bought the URL, how were you having dreams about it? Maybe it was because I was still enamored with this idea of copy cubs and copy sheets. Oh, okay. I don't know that I'm, like, particularly psychic anymore. Than <laughs> I 
So I took it as a side because why not? Yeah. And it was a fun moment. And then officially the doors opened a couple months later, so in September. And I've been part of that group ever since. And that was, so September of 2014, I took my first paying client. And that was a retainer that ended up, I thought it was just one sales letter. It ended up being one sales letter a month for 15 months. Wow. So my very first client was a retainer client that I just sort of tripped across. And then from there, it was working in other niches. And then I started coaching for Kevin because he said, hey, I figured out a way to do what you and I did together in a whole year. I can now compress it into about five or six weeks. Do you want to help me coach it? And that's how I became a copy coach. And then from there, I have remained as a coach through all the different programs. But on the side, I have also done worked with my freelance clients. Then I went in-house, and now I'm where I am today. So were you that, – that program that he asked you to coach on, was that like the first iteration of um, RFL? Yeah. Or, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> when was that? When was – he did RFL 1 himself. He did RFL 2 himself. So I came in for RFL 3. So it's been several years now. We're on RFL 12 now. Yeah. So for, for – those in the audience who don't know, RFL refers to a real free life. Real free life. And it's like about taking your freelancing um, as a copywriter to the next level and becoming a more like established and sustainable business. Um, yeah, and Melanie's been a big part of it. I, I, I tried to get on this round, but I'm so packed at work. Yeah. How's, how's this time going uh, for you guys? Um, RFL for me, it's always really inspiring because people that take that course are the sort that want to think through the exercises, mm-hmm. and they're just so passionate about it. So I don't know who's egging who on here. If it's me going, you're doing great, or if it's them going, I want this so bad, but there's something about that energy that's very inspiring. Um, so there's the big question I've been waiting to ask. Uh, I, I don't know how much of it you can uh, talk about. Uh, which is your your journey into like uh, becoming a copy chief for Tony Robbins? Yeah. Do you want to share, you know, like what it's like? To, uh, the I'm sure, like, the was there like grueling hiring process? You know, uh, how you felt throughout the journey and things like that. You share as much as you're comfortable sharing. <laughs> I wouldn't say it was grueling at all, and it all happened so fast. Wow. And I had been working for a particular company for three years, was very happy, had planned to stay. And then all of a sudden, they pivoted direction really fast. So it was July 5th. And I they lay off half of the department. And it, I was in the middle of writing a project for them. And then suddenly, I'm like, thank you for your services. As of right now, we don't need you anymore. Enjoy the rest of your day. Which was a shock. Wow. And... But I had already paid for a vacation. We were supposed to leave for the beach for a week the next day. And I just couldn't think of what else to do. And so we just went to the beach. And we stayed there for a whole week and hung out together, me and the kids, and had a wonderful time. And then came back from the beach. And I'm like, okay, now what? And so I tell everybody, invest in your network. Build your relationships, especially when you don't need them, because one day you will. Yeah. And Kevin was one of the first phone calls. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, uh, wait, who called who? I messaged him 
and say, here's what happened. Mm-hmm. And he calls me a couple days later and says, Tony Robbins needs a copy chief for you in. You've never heard a person say yes so fast in your life. <laughs> so that was a Tuesday. I was in an interview on Friday. I passed that interview. I was in another interview on Monday. And I was just as fast as that background check could be passed. That was it. I was wow. in. There's a funny story about that. So the second company now that I've had to have a background check with, they were both really slow. And HR made that we're concerned face. I'm like, does somebody else have my name? Like, what's happening? It turns out I live in such a small state that they can automatically check for everything else, but a clerk from the county has to walk to a particular filing cabinet to see if I have any open traffic tickets. I don't, by the way. I'm a slow driver. (laughs) But that's what keeps hanging up my background check, not that there's somebody else out there with my name. So do you want to... Walk us through, I'm sure it was an emotional journey or? Yes. Yeah, like, do you want to share that aspect of it? Like, what was going through your, your mind and how were you feeling throughout the, the hiring process? I was thinking a lot about what it would be like to be the hiring manager because I always try that empathy thing is strong, always be in the other person's shoes. You know, I'll bet. They don't want to have to ask me the same questions. Oh, but they hate me. Everybody has to hate that idea. Nobody enjoys that. I'm like, okay, what if I just told stories? What if I just gave them a sense of what it might be like to work with me? And that ended up being the secret to getting the job. Oh. But it is very emotional because in some ways you're on stage. You want to present your best self. And you want them to pick you over the other candidates because, of course, it's an amazing opportunity. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit risky because if they don't like you, they're going to find out right away. But wouldn't you want them to know that? Because you have to work with these people every day. You may as well like each other. Mm -hmm. So, yes, it was a very emotional thing. But I think it was worth it. Yeah, you took a big risk, right? I've never considered that approach into an interview. That's so interesting. So, like, did, were you te- sharing these stories? Because you, you mentioned there were a few rounds of interviews. Like, Yeah. So you're doing your storytelling in each round? Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I approached it just like any intake call for any freelance client. Mm-hmm. Because if it was me, that's what I would want the other person to do. Especially if you're being interviewed for a leadership role. Yeah. Can they lead even this one conversation? Mm-hmm. And it turned out I could. So, I'm I'm wondering if you, like, in a copy chief role where you're leading a team of, like, copywriters, um, could you share with our audience, like, because I'm all about, like, teachers recognizing, like, their transferable skills, uh, but mostly, so far, I've only spoken to, like, fellow copywriters. I haven't spoken to a teacher turned copy chief like do you feel that you you've managed to transfer any of those skills from teaching you know algebra to leading a team and managing copywriters almost everything transferred straight over i spend a lot of time building processes making templates communicating with other departments helping other department heads understand the unique needs of my team mm-hmm. if I, you look at a project 
Same exact project. You look at it from the web developer's perspective, from the web designer's perspective, from the writer's perspective, totally different. And I have to advocate for the needs of my particular team, which is exactly the same as teaching. Because you do spend time in your classroom trying to communicate the information you have in your head to the students so they can pass the exam, graduate, move on with their lives. That part's really important. But also everything else, whatever's yeah. happening in the front office, mm-hmm. everything that's happening around just even getting resources for the people that you care so much about, all that transfers straight across. That's awesome. So I hope that, you know, the teachers out there are listening and recognizing, like, so many possibilities for us, you know, once we leave the classroom. Um, and like becoming the coffee chief at Tony Robbins one day. <laughs> um, there's also something else I've always wanted to know. I think it's like important for like parents out there because like you've done this with like five kids. Um, you know, do you wanna? Is there anything? I'm sorry, I keep blanking out because I just had lunch. <sighs> Be articulate. <laughs> um, yeah. I, okay. Yeah. How did you do it? Just, you know, as a parent with five kids, and then like juggling like copywriting, freelancing. Freelancing is a whole other beast in itself outside of copywriting. You know, if you're comfortable sharing. Yeah. When it first started, I had ninety minutes a day between when that last one got on the bus and when the first one got off the bus. So every production thing was either happening in those 90 minutes or at 2 in the morning. Those were my choices. Mm -hmm. So I learned to only move folders, highest priorities first, most leveraged things first. And so I joke now, I'm going to move the boulders and maybe a couple of scoopfuls of sand. (laughs) But we're slowly going to organize this team, so I'm only moving the boulders, only the highest leveraged things. But you learn that when you move a boulder, you have to stop and then look at what you did to see what the ramifications are. I'd say that's the hardest part for me because I want to go hard and fast. Mm -hmm. The rule is you do a big high leverage thing and then you wait. You look to see what happens and then you do the next high leverage thing. So for kids, the day the last one was born, they were 0, 3, 6, 9, and 12. And so... Everybody had to move as a unit, and we would do things like you would put mom at the back of the line, you'd put dad at the front of the line, okay, now seven people as a group, we're going to go get an ice cream cone. That is a really hard task. Yes. So you walk in a row, and you keep, we call it the bubble. Everybody stays in the bubble, and everybody takes care of everybody else, and you just move as a force of nature. And absolutely everything had to be like, it's not where you have one or two kids where you can hold them by the hand and you could, it's just a totally different dynamic. So luckily for me, that mindset was already in place for me before I decided to take on the freelancing thing because it's a very much the same concept. Everybody's an adult, but still we need to work as a team. As a freelancer, I'm plugging into your system, whatever that might be, to help you get the outcome, and you just have to keep focusing on the outcome. I, I love how you put it, um, focusing on the boulders. I'm definitely going to have to remember that because I, I like to do all of the things, and that's not the most strategic way to do anything. <laughs> um, so the I think the event is resuming in seven minutes. Also, 
for those of you who are listening and you can hear the background music, I apologize about that. We tried our best to find a quiet spot. This is the quietest we could find with internet. Um, so Melanie, do you have any advice for teachers out there who are like on the verge of leaving? They're not sure if they can do this copywriting thing, but they know it appeals to them. Like, what would you say to get them over the fence, like off the fence? Oh, I'm going with just do it. But if you could see my face, <laughs> there's so many specific things you have to learn when you're a teacher to get any kind of outcome at all. All of it transfers straight across, and it's the fun bits. If you're the teacher that likes to build out the worksheets and likes to carve out the learning paths, and I'm reading a book right now called Talk to the Elephant. It just came out, but it's about design for learning, behavioral design for learning. I think it's specifically the field of study fairly newish field of study. Mm-hmm. Everything gets planned out. It's like architected. It's not exactly like writing the way we traditionally think of it. Carefully thought out, carefully designed, carefully structured. It's marching towards a goal. I can't think of a teacher who wouldn't excel at something like that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for spending the time. I'm sorry you had to rush through lunch for this. Um, but yeah, I, it's been a dream of mine to like interview you. Kevin keeps asking me like, when uh, when are you gonna interview Melanie? When are you gonna like? Well, now I'm, I've done it. I did it, and you know I'm just she's a wonderful person. If you ever join our Copy Chief community, that's the kind of amazing you know mentors and coaches that we 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 have in the in the community. Do you have any like last words you want to say to the audience? Just thank you so much for this opportunity. It's a real honor. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's just my little thing that I do on the side. But yeah, hopefully the, I know this will help someone out there. Yeah. yeah. So thank you so much, Melanie. And um, I will see you guys on the next episode of Classroom New Copy.